Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Wright, Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the 49 Faithful UK show. We are back after a little bit of a break that was enforced onto us because uh, a few of us were working uh, and we couldn't get out of that. It's terrible when work gets in the way of your life, isn't it? <laughs> I just hate it when that happens. But uh, we're back tonight. We're not going to do a Cardinals review because we're already at the back end of the week. Um, it's already been done by a million different other content creators. We may talk about uh, Brock Purdy's game as we talk about the offence because I think it's worthwhile doing that and CMC as well uh, but other than that we're not really going to do a review of the Cardinals game we're pretty much going to get straight into uh, the game against the, the Cowboys the rivals the, the team I hate with a passion so luckily enough I'm not here by myself tonight I'm joined by Paul Hope Happy Brocktober everybody Happy Brocktober and Najee Kura. Hello, everyone. You're How are you doing, guys? <laughs> I, I, I love, I love that introduction, Najee Kura. <laughs> love it, love it. So that's we, not we as good come as up Brock, against uh, Brocktober, though. But that's good. Brocktober, like is good. I'm, tra- I'm trying to think good. of the one that somebody else mentioned today. I might have been John John Chapman. I was watching his show at six o'clock. And he gave uh, a Brockism. I'll call it a Brockism, but I can't remember what it was. I wish I could. Well, but it was about the overhype. Yeah. Go go watch John Chapman. Tonight's show with uh, Moe's Nose and uh, see if you can spot what he says. You tried. um, You tried tried. last year to start your own Brocky, remember? Nadji wasn't Brocky. a fan. Yeah, yeah. You, you, like you were the you were the one that started it all, Lee. So look where we've all come. Uh, see, I, I I don't think I was the one that started. I just saw a photo, and and from that I I started calling him Brocky. But I definitely wasn't the one that uh, started. Um, I wish I knew who it was so I could give them credit for it. But uh, it was just on Instagram. Quickly saw a photo. Thought Brocky. That is absolutely fantastic. You can spin that a million different ways, and it did help us uh, early on in the uh, the playoffs when I was trying to think of entertaining names for these shows. So yeah. that helped a lot. Yeah. So we go into the game against the Cowboys. Um, like I said, one of our rivals, one of our historical rivals. You've got the Rams, you've got the Cowboys, you've got the Giants. To me, that that's the three rivals that I always look at. Um, obviously, the Cowboys and the Giants, purely because of the 80s and 90s, uh, and the Rams, because the Rams is our longest divisional rival. So we'll do what we've done for the past few uh, few podcasts. I will go through and do the old father, father time stuff, do the history, and then um, Najee will give us the offense and Paul's going to give us the defense. So the head to head is actually all tied. 1919 and one tie. That one tie was played out in 1969 on the 27th of November and it was a 24 each tie played in Dallas. During the years, there's been some memorable games, as we all know. Even recently, there's been some memorable games. So we're not talking long history here. But over the years, yeah, there's been six NFC championships between these two teams. Six. Dallas have won four of them. We've won two. Both times the 49ers have won, they've gone on to win the Super Bowl. 
So if we get the uh, the Cowboys in the NFC Championship this season, if we get that and they get that and we win, you've got to feel good about that. In total, the Cowboys have won five playoff games to our four. There's been nine altogether. A couple of divisional games, um, one wildcard game. There's been a couple of lopsided victories. On the 12th of October 1980, the Cowboys beat us up a little bit to the tune of 59-14. And almost a year to the day later, on the 11th of October 1981, we beat them up a little bit and beat them 45-14. So we got our own back reasonably quickly there. And as you remember, 1981 was the Super Bowl winning season. So we started playing quite well early. Um, Obviously, we go into a later game with the Cowboys that wasn't as lopsided as that. And we're more likely to talk about that a little bit later. So players that have played for both teams, again, there's quite a number. And and for some reason, the same names keep on coming up. Ray Ray Armstrong, he must have played for all 32 teams. Honestly, he must have. (laughs) Because for the last three weeks now, ever since we started this history thing, Ray Ray Armstrong's name comes up. He must have been everywhere. But I'm not going to talk about Rera. I'm going to I'm going to concentrate on three of the more well-known players. So you've got Charles Haley, defensive end, Hall of Famer. He spent four of his 13-year career at the Cowboys. The rest of it was with the Niners. And the Cowboys were kind of sandwiched in between, not halfway. It was more skewed towards the end of his career. Um, he finished off playing the last two seasons at the Niners. We've also got Deion Sanders, who spent one year with us, which took us to the Super Bowl, where we won Super Bowl um, 30. Is my mind gone? It's not 30, was it? I was uh, completely forgetting. I was so young. I don't remember. Uh, it, it wasn't 30. My mind is gone. I'm showing my age now. Um, <laughs> but then after that, he went to the Cowboys for four years. And th- this is the thing that gets us about Deion Sanders. A lot of 49er fans look at him as though he's a legend. And I, I just yeah, can't please. do that because he was only there one year. Yeah. Yeah, yes, he was a good player. He was a good player, but he was only he there was one year. Good. And then he went to the Cowboys. I mean, how on earth yeah. can that, me personally, how, how on earth can I call him a legend when he's just gone to the team I hate second most in the league? Uh, it just Him wearing 21, no, I, I don't associate 21 with him. There's two players I associate 21 with. Eric Wright, Franco. Those are the yeah. two players that I associate 21 with. And every time I see Sanders on the back of a jersey with 21 on, it just really irks me. It does. <laughs> that's how bitter I am. So on to our third player, and that's Terrell Owens, wide receiver, Hall of Famer, seven years Niners, two years Cowboys. He infamously stood on the start in the middle of uh, Cowboys Field and um, kind of, how would I say, tried to do as much disrespect as possible. And then he went on to play for them. <laughs> yeah. So I, d- I don't know if he ever regretted that. I think he gave an interview once where he did actually say, no, I don't regret that. <laughs> and that was why he was playing for the Cowboys. He says it's just gamesmanship. So you have to respect that. So the most famous game, as far as pretty much 
I think everybody would think this is the most famous game. It's got to be the 1981 NFC Championship game, which was played on the 10th of January 1982, and is, of course, the game where we saw the catch. It's the game that kind of catapulted the, the 49ers into the team of the decade. And we kind of powered on all the way through that from, from that particular game. The previous years following uh, before that, the Cowboys had kind of had our number. We couldn't really do much about them. And I think in 1981, the general feeling in San Francisco was uh, the Cowboys going to knock us out again. Uh, but obviously, it's history now. We know they didn't. Now, a really interesting stat, and I didn't know this beforehand. It's just that now when I think about it in modern terms, it means a lot more. A lot more from a negative point, right? So Joe Montana, he was 22-35, 286 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. He was also sacked three times on the day and finished with a QB rating of only 81.4. Now, if he played now, 49er fans would be going mental saying, get him off the field. <laughs> the yeah. honest. That's how ridiculous it was. And and I mean, anybody that's watched the uh, the 81 NFC Championship game, you saw how good Joe Montana played that game. Joe Montana really set himself out as one of the best quarterbacks in the league at the time. Obviously, he went on to be the greatest of all time, but at the time, he set himself out as one of the, one of the best in the league. Uh, but yeah, t- today's 49er fans, they would just completely lose it. They'd be That's saying, true. get that guy out of here. Three, three picks, interceptions. Yeah. Three yeah. interceptions. Are you kidding? In in one of the biggest games of his life, they'd want him yanking off the field. Uh, so so the way the place I'm going with this is basically fans have changed a lot over the years. I can't well, see anybody. You're right. The, the game, game has changed, changed at all. It's, it's a more passing league, isn't it? Don't you? It be. is. It is. So, believe it or not, there was actually seven fumbles in that game. Four for the Cowboys and three for the Niners. The, the Cowboys managed to recover two of their fumbles. And the Niners lost all of theirs. Dwight Clark had... How, an, how did they lose that game? <laughs> Five, ten overs. Well, I mean, to be honest, uh, when you see the, the way the rest of the Cowboys played, the Cowboys didn't really establish the run. <laughs> they, they found it difficult to, to do that. The passing wasn't great. We had a we had a great defense. We had a great defense. Eric Wright, Eric Wright at cornerback, he was brilliant. Dwight York, Dwight York, Dwight Clark had a brilliant day. Eight receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns. And he was helped out by uh, Freddie Solomon with six catches for 45 yards. And I think that set us apart from the Cowboys that day. It was the connection between Montana and Clark and Montana and Solomon. The The running was pretty much shared through the backs. We ended up, I think, with 126 yards rushing. The Cowboys, I think, only just scraped over 100 yards rushing. Um, and it was just telling that home field advantage and the way that Montana and Clark was playing in particular, that that kind of got us over the line. So that is the history lesson for today. I'm not going to go into any more because let's start and talk about what's going to happen on Sunday night. So I think I think the defense is the more interesting bit to talk about because of the two defenses that are going to be on the field. So I'm actually going to start with the offense. 
Okay. So we'll get the offense out of the way. And while we curveball. talk about the offense, yeah, curveball. And while we talk about the offense, we'd probably talk a little bit about Brock Purdy and his performance last uh, last week. So do you want to take good. us away, Naji, with what the offense looks like? Yeah, sounds good. I'll do this. If you want to put the death chart on it for people that are watching on YouTube, I know for people listening, it's not great, but it does help us as well, kind of centralize everything um i i wanted to start by asking you a question um and that's number 15 on the, on the sheet here trey lance do you think ha- having him is going to make an impact on the way the cowboys play i'm maybe we can talk about it when paul talks defense because obviously he would have given him uh info about how well, we play on offense i guess but well, it's been I, the talk I, of the week so i just kind of want to yeah, I think the easy answer is, I think Kyle Shanahan has answered that question for us by turning around and saying he really does hope that Trey Lance gives them all the intel that uh, he managed to take with the, the, the 49ers. I mean, if if that is not a slap in the face to Trey Lance, nothing is. To me, that suggests that Trey Lance really, really struggled to pick up any of the concepts that Shanahan yeah. gave him. Because if Shanahan's more than happy for him to turn around to the Cowboys and say, yeah, this is how they're going to play, these are the schemes, uh, and he already knows that Trey didn't have a Scooby what our schemes were like, and he couldn't pick them up, he just couldn't he, he couldn't get his head around them, then I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, well, what, I agree. what about you, Paul? Do, do you think the same about Trey Lance? Do you think it's going to make an impact to the game? There's a different way to answer your question, Nadji. Trey Lance never played with CMC, so don't need Trey Lance to tell him to give the ball. But, I mean, all all jokes aside, you know, in the NFL, you could argue, have we done the same by signing their cornerback? I I agree with Lee. I think it's on record that Trey Lance struggled at the 49ers. (laughs) And like you said, Lee, I was shocked when Shanahan came out and said that because it was kind of giving the middle finger to Trey Lance. If anything's going to give fuel to that fire, Kyle Shanahan just tipped a gallon of petrol on, but it's got to be in the back of the minds, Nadji, when they traded for Trey Lance because he hasn't taken any snaps. We haven't seen anything of note. But yeah. interesting because it's not like Trey plays like Brock. So it's not even as if you could say Trey's been playing on the scout team and getting the yeah. defence set. And yeah. as you said, Lee, when we talk about the defence, I'll reference some of the differences. But I don't know, Nadji. I don't know whether it... It comes out the fine magic margins, but I just wanted to get in there that Trey never played for CMC, so we might never know. No, it's true. I mean, my opinion is any info is good info. So, and I, I, I really wonder if they did it for that reason and that reason only. It wouldn't surprise me if Jerry Jones actually did that just to spite us and try and beat us. But, um, and then I'm not so sure as well that it was just a middle finger to Trey that what Kyle said, but also that is feeling confident in what we can do and just nobody nobody's been able to stop us so why would they it's kind of where we are i think uh but yeah so if we go through the <clears throat> through the depth chart here and uh we look at their offense they're a well balanced team they can run the ball they can pass the ball uh, a little bit like what the cardinals have, have done uh so far they, they can go either way if Pollard does a good day they'll feed the rock to Pollard all day and they'll be happy you know, carry the ball 40 times. But they can also, you know, get Michael Gallup and CD Lamb involved and, and try and spread it around. Um, I think the big thing that they're missing, though, they, they lost their centers to the Patriots. As you can see, Ezekiel Elliott is not, play, is not playing in this game. 
So they're going to struggle losing this game on the last play again. Um, oh, I'm sure they'll find a way. It'll be funny again. Um, but no, more seriously, Taron Smith, Zach Martin uh, seem to be a little bit injured. That's why they're in red here. I'm not quite sure exactly what the injury history is, but um, that means they've got a rookie at right guard. And that, that usually doesn't go very well for all lines. Um, but yeah, I, I think their biggest weapon to me is Doug Prescott. If Doug Prescott has a good day, uh, and we know he can run a little bit, which we're not very good at stopping still. I think uh, had we done the Cardinals review, we would have talked about Dobbs running a little bit of mock on our defense or on a couple of drives. Um, but if Dak has a good day, I think I think that's where it could be dangerous. Um, question to you guys, as I always like to do. Uh, do you think you've seen enough from our defense that tells you that we can stop them continuously? Or are you a little bit worried considering? And people were worried about against the Cardinals. Oh, our defense is not stopping them. They scored 16 points on two drives that took them 10 minutes and low third down and couple of fourth down and very lucky plays and picks that didn't happen that should have had. Fred, you need to stop doing that, please. Have a pick. Um, and yeah, so I'm I'm asking you a question, Lee. Are you confident? What, what do you think? Um, I think I am confident, yeah. I, I think what we've seen in the first four weeks is the, the, the whole mentality that Paul always talks about. He, he says it pretty much every year. Every, um, episode it's a bend not break mentality we, we are playing a little bit of a soft coverage we, we're not playing that um, press coverage and because of that players are making players but I think overall looking at our defense I mean we are ranked number one after all I, I'm quite confident that we are going to grow into, grow into the season I always thought game four was going to be the game where we were up to speed and that was the game against the Cardinals. We're going up against the Cowboys and I'm fully expecting to see the defence step up another level because even though we've beaten them twice in the playoffs over the last two seasons, we are still going to be up for this game because we hate the Cowboys. Trent Williams has said it. Trent Williams has said it. Debo said it. George Kittler said it. We hate the Cowboys. So they're not going to take them lightly just because they've beaten them twice in the last two years in the playoffs. I think they'll be up for this game. I think the defence will be up for this game. And because you've got the likes of Fred Warner there, who who will be getting the defence riled up, I think, I think, I, I'm confident we will come out on top. Our defence will. I think we've got enough there to stop them. Like you said, Najee, if, if Tony Pollard has a game, then it's going to make it difficult. And it, it's kind of going to where I was going to go later on in the uh, conversation that whoever establishes the run better is going to win this game. It's all down to the run. I don't think it's going to be passing. I think it's going to be the run that does it. What about yourself, Paul? Confident? Yeah, I mean, we've got Hargrave. We've seen what Steve Wilkes has done. I'm a little bit nervous, Nadji, about Ambry Thomas. Didn't have a great game. C.D. Lamb is there, number one. And I think what teams have shown this year, get the ball out quick to negate that pass rush. And C.D. Lamb runs 72% of his routes from the slot. So for me, that's going to be a big test for Oliver this game. He's looked yeah. better each week as we've gone on. Um, Dak Prescott, can he handle the pressure? 
he's not doing so great in the press conferences. And I think you're right, Lee. I think Pollard went off injured in the playoff game that Nagy was at last year. And that was a big loss for Dallas. I told my friends who support Dallas say Pollard wasn't there. But we've got Armstead. We've got Hargrave. got Kinlaw. Those big fronts that we've got are good at stopping the run. And to give the Dallas defense a bit of credit, they did that to us last year in the first half of the playoff game. They stopped the run, put the pressure on Purdy, and we struggled. So that could be the blueprint, Lee. We stop Pollard, we stop the run, and get the pressure on Dak Prescott, and he can't get these throws off. That could be the key to victory. But like you said, it's got a playoff feel, this game. Even though we're in week five, it's two great teams going up against each other. I know Dallas are a bit more banged up, like you said there, Nadji, looking at the, the offensive line there, losing the left tackle and the right guard. That could be huge. And I yeah. love the cheeky dig about Zeke going to Patriots. <laughs> I wondered when we'd get that one in Lee, so I like that magic. <laughs> had to, had to. Um, yeah, I agree with you guys. I think my only real concern is that we, we haven't played anyone yet. And this is a good team, I think. Um, it It's really easy to say that. I mean, the Cardinals are obviously not very good. They lost against the Giants. The Giants are definitely not good at all. Uh, you know, uh, and we haven't really played. I think apart from the Rams, who were really well coached and kind of posed a problem. But I think it was more of a early weekend thing. Um, it, that's the thing. It's... We're actually going to see what we're made of in this game, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I, I fully believe, just like you, Lee and, and Paul, that we can stop them. The only thing that I look at is that depth. They really don't have much more than what you see on the page here. It's either CD Lamb and Duck, and a little sprinkle a little bit of Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks still around the league and can burn you deep because that's what he does best. He's fast. Um, or Tony Pollard having the day. If we can stop these four players, uh, I, I don't think they can do anything. And they're not like us. Uh, you know, it's you know either Pollard or CD Lamb to me. That's the two things. And if we can get to Dak, it's game over. Uh, I know we've been struggling to generate pressure, and it, we've asked a lot of our cornerback. And uh, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about Thomas, but also he's just coming back from a bit of an injury. And he has shown in the past that it takes a little minute to get back to speed. But then when he's good, he's really good. But he also has these like, deep moments. I remember the game against the Bengals last year where he really wasn't that good. But then he was, and then he was, and then he was again. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely a good test. And uh, again, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I agree with you, Lee. I think the run game is where it's going to be at. But I think it's going to take a good game from 11 of us. And that means Oren Burks um, is going to have to step up. I don't think we've been playing with 11 great players, which we had in the past. Alshair used to, you know, step in and have a couple of plays here and there. And I haven't seen Burks do that yet. I haven't seen Gibson play really well this year. I haven't seen, you know, all those other linemen contributing when uh, the starters are resting. Um so I think we're going to need some someone else than the big names that we have on our defense to so, stop so this you, offense. Yeah, so you mentioned Oren Burks there. And um, you, earlier on, you mentioned about it being a balanced attack that Dallas have got. They actually throw 55% and run 45%. So it, it is skewed towards the pass. They play a lot of uh, three receiver sets. And if they play in three receiver sets, Oren Burks isn't going to be on the field. Isaiah Oliver is going to be on the field. 
instead. That's true. That's so true. I, I think Berkshire's I mean, impact might be minimal. Yeah, it's it's kind of balanced for this, you know. And they yeah, were behind yeah, yeah, against the giant balanced, against. Yeah. yeah, you know, they lost against Cardinal, so they were having to pass yeah. the ball and, and that kind of things, you know. But you know what I'm saying. I'm I'm thinking all of those names yeah. that are not Greenlaw, Friend, Warner, Huff, Bossa, Armstead, and and Grave Digger to actually have a good game. We need Jackson to get back to week one level. We need Kinlaw to actually show on the stat sheet. I think we're going to need a game from someone else. And and the last thing I want to mention, talking about defense and looking at this at this list, because that's what he did in the playoff. He shadowed him everywhere. It's Mooney Ward. He's going to be on, on CD Lamb all night, I would, I would assume. And I don't think he's been really good this year. Not yet. Um, maybe he's ramping up. Maybe he's taking his time. Maybe he's just not. You know, sometimes you just don't play as well. It happens. But we're going to need a big game for Mooney. And uh, and I'm looking forward to see how he responds. Because he didn't play well against the Cardinals, I think. Um, and he's been, a, he's, he's been a step behind compared to what he's done last year, I'm, I'm talking about. But, you know, nothing is, is you know, 1% less good. But that makes a big difference sometimes in the NFL. Um, so, yeah. So, so here's a question for you then. Do you not think that our cornerbacks have been a little bit off the pace this season? Compared yeah, to last uh, season? I, I think so. But I also think that people are so scared of our D-line that they are putting our, our DBs in position to, to fail. And because we can't generate pressure, our DBs are showing. It, it's, it always goes hand in hand. And I've said this in the past. If you, if you don't generate pressure, it means your DBs have to be good. And your DBs have to buy time for the pressure. But I don't think Steel Wicks has changed his philosophy yet as to play a bit more man so it gives more time for the D-line to get there. We're still playing very soft zone and the D-line isn't getting there. So they're getting burnt into into space. And any good quarterback in the, in the league, which is 32 starting quarterback, will pick up out soft zone. It's it's very easy to throw under and get completion. Um, and we have been on the bend on break mentality it's just that the big plays haven't really shown up yet you know the big pick six big fumbles and that and the big sacks it, and it, it still happens you know uh the Javon Hargrave sack on Dobbs last week was crucial obviously and and we were we, I think we we're really really close but yeah I agree I think our corners have not been and we said it coming into the year I think it's our weakest unit and, and I think losing Ambry Thomas to injury and having Lenore shuffling in and out, the kind of thing is a bit. I, it, to be fair, if I if I want if I'm going to be honest, I would love for us to maybe look at trading for some some talent, uh, somebody that's established that can just contribute straight in, maybe uh, just even just for depth. So if we do lose one of the guys, we we don't take a step back. But it, yeah, it's going to take a big game from everyone on defense, I think. So I, I don't think it's a case of we not generating the pressure because I think we are, but I think opposing quarterbacks are getting the ball out so quick to yeah. to basically neutralise that pressure. Yeah, yeah. That uh, means Yeah, and, and that coupled with the fact that we're playing uh, soft coverage rather so than press coverage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It means that they're getting these short short um completions and then completions yeah. after the catch as well, yards after the catch as well. And I think that's that's why it's shown up on the stats stat sheet a lot more than what it did last year. Because last year we were playing a lot more press, which meant we had them right at the line, 
we had the pressure coming, so the quarterback had no choice but to try and throw it long. By which time we'd yep. already covered that ground and we could make the uh, make the um, pass defense. And it goes back to the question about Steve Wilkes. And I think everybody's talking about Steve Wilkes at the the time. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it yourself. Do you, th- do you think our defense is good enough? I think the defense is good enough. I think at the moment the way we're playing is probably needs to be adjusted to the team that we're playing. So we can't continue to go on playing a soft zone coverage. We, we, we can't, especially not against the uh, Dallas Cowboys, who, who predominantly play three receiver sets with three good wide receivers. We need to block them up at the line of scrimmage to give the pressure that the defensive ends and defensive tackles a chance to get at the quarterback, panic them, completely disrupt the route, and then... To me, that, that's how we're going to win this game on Sunday and obviously stopping the run. Stopping the run is, is really important to force them to go to the throw every single time. I agree. What about you, Paul? No, I think, like like you said there, Lee, uh, 49ers fans were very knowledgeable, were very plugged into our team. And, and you were saying during your history lesson, Lee, if the 49ers quarterback throws three interceptions against the Dallas Cowboys, I think I'll stay off social media, which is a bold, <laughs> bold thing for me to say. Um, well, I think Wilkes is still getting to learn the players. I think he's still getting to learn the system. And, I mean, our friend uh, Mr. Kent was very critical of uh, Nick Borsa on social media. And I, and I responded. He hasn't replied to me yet, but I responded to say that Borsa is PFF's highest-graded defender. Yes, he's only got one sack. But like you said, like, they are generating the pressure. But what we are seeing is opposing quarterbacks getting rid of the ball quickly. And like you said, Nadji, I wasn't worried against the Cardinals. I know there was that weird five minutes where the game day threads exploded and people were nervous. But I was sat at home thinking, even if the defence doesn't play so well, how can you not be confident in this offence? And for the first time in a long time as a 49ers fan, I just didn't get it, Nadji. I was sat at home thinking, we're just going to score. This game is very simple. You score more points than the opposition. You win the game. But I'm not worriedly about the defence. I think we're going to get better as the weeks go on. And like you said, Nadji, yeah. yes, Brock Purdy's had some luck with zero interceptions, but Fred Warner's had some bad luck not getting an interception. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for me, they're going to balance out. And I would agree with you, Lee. I think the three receivers set, and I think the way Dallas play, I would like to see us go a bit more man-heavy on Sunday. But it'll be interesting to see whether Steve Wilkes actually listens to us like the rest of the 49ers do. Well, I'm not sure he should, though. And this is the other caveat I want to say. You just said it. Steel Weeks is still getting used to our players. There's also the other way around. Our defense is not the same defense we played for a long time. It's There's a new wrinkle to it. And maybe our players are still adjusting to it. And I totally agree that the more time is passing, uh, the more comfortable they're all going to feel in their new role and, uh, and, and will play better and better. And... It might not be an offense that uh, a defense that generates sacks and turnovers and stuff, but it's a defense that's ranked still number one in the league in you know in in yards and points because ultimately that's what you want. It doesn't matter if you don't get picks and sacks. If the other team scores zero point, you win every game. It's that simple. Um, so yeah, I'm confident. I just I I want to see us having a complete game, uh, and I think it's going to take. It's going to take that to beat that Dallas team. Um, but yeah, enough about their offense. Unless you guys want to talk about somebody in particular. No, no. I think it's about time that uh, we move on to the defense. Um, which I do is want to say, bag. 
<laughs> Luke Schoonmaker, I really wanted us to draft him. Juice Vaughn, I've liked for a long time at K-State. He's so small. He's probably the smallest player you'll ever see. I think he's 5'8", somewhere 5'7", maybe. He's tiny, but he's, he's very good. And I'm yeah. totally with Key, I think. I wanted us to have him as well. But according to Juice, he's got another half a career to play. So we're good. Good, good. Okay, so obviously we're heading into uh, Sunday's game with the two best defences in the league. I think it's been talked about by every single analyst since the start of the season that they've been looking at this game to watch these two defences play. Everybody's bigging up either side. You've got ex-players like Michael Irvin saying that uh, the Cowboys have the number one defence. Um, we've got Jerry Rice, Steve Young saying that the 49ers have the uh, number one defence. Obviously, statistically, we are number one at the moment. Um but it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top on Sunday. So, Paul, can you take us through the Dallas Cowboys defence? Yeah, so what was interesting, chaps, is unlike us, Dallas retained their defensive coordinator. So looking at the Dallas Cowboys, there was a lot of changes in the off-season, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But they retained Dan Quinn, which was a bit of a shock, or some people thought he might get a shot at a head coaching job. Like many teams, the Cowboys rely more on their nickel defence than the traditional 4-3 base defence, which with general use of 11 personnel, what that means is Dallas prefers to match the extra receiver with a cornerback, resulting in only two starting linebacker positions on Quinn's defence. Now, like you said, Lee, they thrived last year. Their defence was rumoured to be better than ours. A lot of Cowboy fans thought Micah Parsons should have been Defensive Player of the Year and not Nick Bosa. And we'll get to Parsons in a moment because he is a player that I like as much as he plays for Dallas. I can't sit here and say he's a bad player. But uh, what was interesting is we sometimes give our front office the credit for re-signing players on team-friendly deals. But when I looked into this, Dallas should have lost some players. They should have lost, um, I'll get his name right, Lee, Leighton Van Der Esch and their playmaking safety, Donovan Wilson, both tested free agency. And the Cowboys were able to bring them back on relatively cheap deals compared to what I think their agents wanted. And when I look at the defence there, and I just put up on that, they've retained a lot of their starters, especially their front four, which they play very similar to us when you look at the game tape. They like to generate that pressure. You've got Micah Parsons, who sometimes he's listed as a linebacker, but he's an edge rusher. You go and look at all the snaps he played last year. He was an edge rusher, but he's got that skill set, Lee, that he can move across any position on that defensive line, and he is a superstar in the making. Now, they also took a Glaren Hall in uh, free agency. They signed the former All-Pro Stefan Gilmore. A few Niners fans wanted us to look at that for our defence, and they also re-signed their defensive tackle, Jonathan Hankins, who plugged the middle of their line. So not only did they retain players, retain the, the coaching staff, they also added a former pro bowl into that defence. And boy, did it show, especially against the Giants and against the Jets. But week three couldn't have been more painful against the Cardinals, which I'll touch upon later. So, similar to us, the Cowboys' defensive line can be pretty formidable. And as I've already said, the pick of the bunch is superstar Micah Parsons. And he's going to feature quite heavily, I think, in our review up against your boy Colton McKibbitts. I think he's going to attack that right-hand side of the line. He did it last year in the playoff game, which Nadji was there live. And like Bosa, for us, he's their main threat. And like I said, Nadji, he's listed as a linebacker, but he, he logged 800 
159 snaps last year on the defensive line. Demarcus Lawrence is the veteran of this group. He's a well-rounded pro ball style player. He's got the ability to relocate inside on passing downs. And then there's a name that I've been practicing because Lee likes to give me dick. So Usa Odig Hiziua is an ascendant talent and a defensive tackle that the Cowboys like to put in the middle. Similar to Armstead for us, when I've gone and watched the game tape, he likes to play. And it's interesting that they also brought Hankins back on a one-year deal, which meant they kept all four of that defensive front. Now, Dallas, interestingly, don't blitz as much as what I think they should. They're very similar to the Cardinals. Though I say that, against the Giants, they threw that out the window. And against the Patriots, where they gave Bill Belichick his biggest defeat of his coaching career. I mean, it was against Mac Jones, Nadji, so I'm trying to to put it into a, a bit of context. But a staple of the defensive scheme that we're going to see is Dan Quinn likes to crowd the line of scrimmage by having these four D linemen that I've talked about. And on the field, he tends to put a defender in the hall which is kind of like mugging off the quarterback, which I think Brock Purdy struggled with in the playoff game in the first half. But then in the second half, Brock Purdy was able to kind of show us why the Brock Express isn't derailed easily. Now, chaps, this allows the opportunity for the D-line to go more one-on-one in their matchups, which is something I am slightly worried about. I've already alluded to Parsons going up against McKivitz, but those front four, Dallas seem very confident that they will get their one-on-ones right, and then we'll get the pressure on Brock Purdy. I want to ask you a question at this point before I go on to the difference between the cover one and the cover three. Do you think Dallas are going to do the Giants and throw the kitchen sink at Brock Purdy? Or do you think Quinn's going to stay to his defensive scheme? Because he likes to play a lot of cover one, cover three. But do you think he's going to go against that? I just wanted to ask you at this point before I go on with some other stuff that I've found out. No, I, th- I think they'll stick to the game plan that they've had all season. Well, once you get your defence into a rhythm, you kind of keep them there. They'll, they'll obviously concentrate on the, the right-hand side of our offensive line because they know at the moment McKivitt and Spencer Burford are the weak link there. Um, but because of that, I'm more than convinced that Shanahan's going to have either George Kittle or one of the other tight ends over that side to help out with any blocking assignments. Obviously, on the left-hand side, you've got uh, Trent Williams and Aaron Banks and I think they're more than a match for the likes of uh, Demarcus Demarcus Lawrence um, even though he's a really good player he is a really good player but he's going yes. up against Trent Williams let's face it so no I don't think they're going to adjust it just because they saw what the Giants did because at the end of the day the, the Giants blitz for like 84-85% of the time and they still got a bit of a whooping so it didn't really help them that much and and Brock Purdy actually played brilliant under pressure. So I, I I can't see them changing it. I think they'll stick to the the the, the long term game plan for their defence. The reason I asked yep. Nadji is I was shocked when I was doing my analysis. The way they play cover one, cover three, sometimes tends to lead heavily on zone, but the Cowboys are number one in the NFL this year in man coverage. Roughly seventy percent of the snaps have gone in man coverage. But like you said, Lee, Purdy is ranked number one in the EPA play against man coverage. So it's kind of iron sharpens iron. But when you look at the way Quinn lines up his cover one, cover three, it tends to play into the hands of the tight end. So I'm glad you mentioned Mr. Kittle because we all remember last year in that second half, Brock went to Kittle and we all remember that juggle and catch, which was awesome. So for me, I hope the stay in that kind of principle because I think 
Kittle's going to have a big game on Sunday if they go with their defensive route. So I did. So say when that you say that... awesome, when you say awesome, don't you mean heart attack inducing? <laughs> Is that well, what you meant? <laughs> I mean both. <laughs> I was going to say at this point before I hand over that they will look to sit in zone coverage, but I think they're going to go more man coverage, um, and I think they're going to try and keep Purdy in front of them because Purdy's added that new wrinkle to his dynamic. The boy can throw. Who would have thought, chaps, we'd have a 49ers quarterback that can throw outside the numbers and make it look so easy? And remember, we we talk about the game last year because you can't not talk about the playoff game. Purdy only completed 19 of 29 pass attempts for 214 yards, but that zero interceptions. Now, we keep talking about that. The turnover battle is key. You referenced that 1981 game. If we have a game with that many fumbles and interceptions, chaps, I don't think any of us will cope. But the Cowboys' defence carries this team, is what I want to summarise. The defence is better than the offence. And like I said, Micah Parsons is the superstar. My friend who's a Cowboys fan keeps hitting me with that stick. That Parsons is better than Borsa. I don't agree, but then I'm not going to, am I? Is there anything else you want me to touch upon the defence before we move on? Well, they've obviously lost, I think, one of their best players a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, can't remember, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, um, Diggs, boom, sorry, that boom, was boom, the injury. Yeah, Trevon Trevon, yeah. Trevon Diggs went to IL, uh, which it makes their secondary a lot less good, even though Diggs is very prone to get beat, so I quite like, him to, I like to play against him because he's easy to take advantage of. But they have Lewis Jordan um, replacing him, kind of. Um, Darren, you know, Mary Cooker and Darren Bland. Anyway, they're not as good. Um, now, um, you know, I I trust Kyle to come up with a plan, and I, I pretty I pretty much know what the plan's going to be. Is don't give the D line a chance to get to to Brock. Just get rid of the ball fast, Debo, CMC, and let them do them what they do best. Because Bandaresh isn't as good as you said. They tried to let him go, and he didn't find a marker. And I don't think Damon Clark is that good either. Um, against a guy like CMC who can literally fly through people. Um, I don't think they stand a chance. Um, if if we have to drop back 60 times and our line gets abused, yeah, we're going to be in for a long day. But I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but it's it's nice to talk about our, the right side of our line. Um, they're not getting better, which is worrying, but it's also very early. Um, so I, I'm sure they can. But that's another thing I would like us to address if it doesn't get better, because I don't think McKivitz is playing well at all. Um, and it's going against somebody like Michael Parson is. Oh, it's like TJY, isn't it? We we saw what happened when you play against TJY. So let's make sure that doesn't happen. Um, apart from that, though, good, nice work. Thank you very much. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you look at that defense and um, I, I think the plan's going to be to neutralize the pass rush by running the ball, which is what we're seeing yeah. earlier on in the show. I, I think if we can establish the run and basically run it down the throats because they're, they're not that good at stopping the run, that's one of the weaknesses, then I, I think it's our game to lose. And we're at home as well. We're at home, which makes a huge difference. Yeah. So I, I, I'm quite confident about this game going into Sunday night. I think looking at our roster, looking at both sides of the ball and looking at special teams as well, I, I think we are absolutely stacked. 
Najee mentioned it before. You look at Dallas, you look at the second stringers, third stringers, and you think, well, no, they haven't got as good as what we do. Um, almost Jim Harbaugh saying there, nobody's got it as good as us. Yeah. And you, you look at, you, you mentioned uh, Stephen Gilmore there. Stephen Gilmore, he's been consistently good. He had that one great year, but then he's been consistently good. Last year, he wasn't great. He, he was he was above average. He was above average, yeah. But it wasn't the same sort of production you've, you've had out of him in the past. Um, yeah. Maybe because he's on the uh, the Cowboys defense and he's getting all that help from the pass rush, then I suppose he's bound to, his stats are bound to look better this season. But just look at Patrick Peterson. Out of the two of them, I would have said in their prime, Patrick Peterson was a much better cornerback than Stephen Gilmore. And yeah. we made him look I ordinary mean, in that first game of the yeah. season. Yeah, I mean, he's good, but he's getting on. And, you know, people don't get rid of player if they're good, usually. Yeah. And he was traded um, by Indiana. So. What I like, before we move on, what I like about this new way that Gareth come up with doing, the, that you have to look at the other teams. And I'm smiling because I've known as a 49ers fan, you always say you're the best team. And you go and watch the game tape doing stuff like this. And I know we didn't do the Cardinals review, but go and watch the Cowboys game against the Cardinals. And if anyone thought the Cardinals played well against us, they put up uh, 222 rushing yards on the Cowboys, you know, a 28-16 upset victory. And I'm smirkingly because, yes, Gilmore isn't what he used to be. But I think sometimes in this modern era, people get drawn by names. And I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because as well, the Cowboys' defence, and I wanted to finish off with this, has allowed successful players and 75% of all players against them in close and late situations, which is the worst in the NFL. So I just wanted to end on that segment to say that if the game is close, Carl Shanahan will go into that bag of tricks. And I want five touchdowns from CMC this Sunday, not four, <laughs> five. <laughs> Well, that's a beautiful segue into the end of the show, which is all the uh, the predictions. So we are currently three and a half point favourites, which isn't great considering we're at home. So it's effectively half a point they've given us over our home stairs. And the over-under is uh, 45. So do, do either you, one of you want to go first with your predictions or do you want me to go first? Because I know me and Paul are neck and neck. Whoever's top. It can't be me. Because I'm not. Right, so Paul went first last week. I will go first True. tonight then. So yeah. I think I think it's going to be a reasonably close let me, game. Let me show I, it for the people. I, I, uh, yeah. I, I don't particularly crazy. think it's going to be uh, a blow like what we've had uh, recently. I don't think we're going to put up as many points as what we've done recently. But I think we're going to show our class and our depth. Um, so I'm going to go with a reasonably close. 24-20 victory. Ooh, and I think I, I think we will be out to a 24-point lead quite quite early and the Cowboys will come back into it and, and probably get a touchdown in garbage time to take them up to the 20. So I think probably oh, I going into going into the fourth quarter midway through, we probably is going to be 24-30. You know? But nice. that's not a bold prediction, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just for uh, clarity, Gareth has predicted 33-24. Let us know if you change your mind. We we can change it, depending on how the the week goes. Uh, Before kickoff, obviously. Uh, Go on, Paul. Your turn. 
Well, I'm closer to Gareth than I am Lee. And Lee, what are you trying to do to the fighting Anna Faithful UK? Seeing us go 24-0 up and then watch the Cowboys come back. Oh, no, I didn't, I, I didn't say a 24-0 up. I didn't say a 24 oh, oh, right. I thought that's what you said. I was like, no, no. the emotional roller coaster. No, what I meant is we'll, we'll score the 24 reasonably early right. in the game. And then... um, pro- probably by the first drive in the, in the third quarter. Um, but I think that the Cowboys, Cowboys will have some points on the board. Well... I'm still on board the Brock Express. We're not scoring under 30 points in this game. We're going to score 34 points, and the Cowboys are only going to score 17. I don't think it's going to be oh, as close well. as what people think. So I'm going for a 34-17, 49ers statement win on Sunday, boys. That is a statement win. That is that is uh, almost double. Nice. Um, I'm not feeling as confident as you two. Unfortunately, I'm going to... I'm going to print one of those nights where we bite our nails until at the elbow. Um, but we're going to win 34-33. <laughs> Jake and Moody, last second field goal win, Nadji. Is that where you go? Um, sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if, if, it do, if, no. that's the, if that's the score at the end of the day, that means it's been an unbelievable game to watch. I think that's, been what, that's where I'm everybody. going. I think that's where that's where I'm going. I, I do think Dallas is a good team, and I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be game of inches, as per usual. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think Dallas are a good team, but I, I also agree with Paul, where their offense is nowhere near as good as what our offense is. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be the huge difference. Whichever offense clicks, and it's all going to come down to the run. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean the over under is forty five, which is quite a lot to be fair. More interestingly, we've had two statement signature players the Cowboys have done against us two years running. <laughs> Who's going to be responsible for the one this year? That's what I want to know. Predict your predict the bad player. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the that's the one thing we haven't touched upon too much. I think coaching wise, we we have the upper hand by quite a margin. Um, I'm still I'm very surprised. My coffee is still there. It's very weird. Jerry Jones. Yeah, I, I don't Sorry. think he's going to be there after this season. Well, we'll because they're not, they're not winning the Super Bowl. And if they don't win the Super Bowl, he's not going to be there next season. True, probably. All right, bold prediction. Bold prediction. Okay, I'll go first for this one as well. And I'm going to, I'm going to hijack what Paul's just said. So my bold prediction is it's going to come down to the end of the game. There's going to be a 60-yard field goal attempt and it's going to be Micah Parsons that kicks it. <laughs> I know I did a good job hyping him up, Lee, but I don't think I mentioned that. <laughs> Do you want a serious very funny. prediction? <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's good. I mean, that's very bold. If Micah Parsons has to kick field goal, I'll take it. Go on, Paul. Well, I'm going to say that Dak Prescott is going to play that bad. He's going to get picked off twice by our boy Fred that we see Trey Lance take the field. I think He's Dak third gets, string, isn't yeah, he? Well, I mean, it's a long shot. It'll be Cooper Rush before him. But Okay. So we'll just, your world prediction is we're, we're going to see Trey Lance on the we're field. We're going to see Trey Lance on the field, yeah. And George Kittle is scoring this week, scoring a touchdown this week, which might not seem as bold as some, but I want to see George yeah. get some love against the Cowboys. 
I'm going to give some love to a guy that is getting overshadowed by amazing play by Purdy and CMC, rightfully so. Those two guys are incredible. But BA is going to go off in this one. 250 yards, free touchdown. Nice. I like BA that. game. I, you know, I'm in awe of this guy. He's been so good for so long now, consistently. And I, and then just CMC just hurdles people, and he's like, "Come on, guys, I'm good too." <laughs> it's so annoying, but yeah, he's he's so good, and I enjoy watching him. He's he he makes us tick. I think if we didn't have the air, it'd be a little harder. On the live um, on Tuesday, Najee, sorry to interrupt you. There. I saw a stat where if Brandon Ayuk's projections, if he stays on his current, you know, targets at the yeah. moment, seventeen hundred yards for the season. That isn't that. Did one of us bold predictions something like that? I think I feel like we might have. And yeah, yeah I just I saw it. I thought I'd share it with you. It yeah. was just unbelievable. I mean, he, he puts those, those numbers up. He's getting paid. <laughs> oh yeah, and I'll happily pay him. He's very good. And before yeah. you move on, Lee, we do have a house divided in the Forty Nine Affair for the UK. So Ian Keane, who plays for my flag team, he's a Niner, like all those fine gentlemen. But his teenage son Noah is a cowboy. I'm working on it, okay. chaps. I'm working on it. But there's a house divided, so it's not like the Gowland Bowl when the Vikings play the Niners. You know, I've got the, the Keen Bowl this week, and I'm hoping <laughs> Ian is going to be smiling better than Noah. So I said to Noah I'd give him a shout-out, Lee. It's part of my nice. charm to get him to become a Niners fan. <laughs> Come to the right side. Yeah, get no out. problem, man. Don't, no problem. don't stay with the Cowboys. It's going to be miserable. Come here. It's nice. <laughs> okay, so over to public service announcements. The watch party is sold out for a second time. So obviously the, the first time we reached the, the soft target of 400 and um, that was in the original venue. We then changed it to their sister bar, which is a 10 minute walk away and um, which held 500. And now that is sold out as well. And that venue, I believe from, um, we found out from Richard Armitage, that venue was split over two floors and we've got both floors of the entire venue so it's looking good now i'd like to remind everybody that they need to download the 49ers app because that's where you get your ticket so you log into the app and you should be asked to put in your ticket master credentials and then once you do that it'll marry the two together and it'll download your watch party your watch party ticket which will have a qr code on and which will be checked once you go through so the door as well to be clear, that doesn't show up on a Ticketmaster app, only on the 49ers app, right? Correct, correct. Right, there we go. It's for people. Is there any other PSAs? Well, well, we did say to people personally, but if you are in London and you don't have a ticket and you really want to go, we believe that all 500 people that have a ticket will show up. That's the, that's the problem of having free events is that people sign up and then they kind of forget about it or they just make other arrange arrangements and don't come. But when we did that in Leeds, I think we were slightly under 50% of the tickets. People have showed up. Yes. It was so a different just, time. So, Just to confirm what Naji said there, we don't expect 500 people to turn up. That's right. We don't expect that. However, we can't be liable if you can't get in either. Yeah. But I would say, I would advise, if you're in London and you want to come down, I, I wouldn't make the trip for it, just in case. But if you are in London, come down and see what happens. If you live around the area, 
it's not too far away or it's not too much of a bother. Um, yeah, come down and you might be able to get in once the night's on the way and we realize that 350 people are here rather than 500. It might sound a bit daft, but for those people who haven't been to one before, this is a 49ers fan event led by the yes. 49ers. We're supporting yes. the 49ers. Other people coming along with significant others who are not Niners fans, more than welcome to rep your team's jerseys. But if you don't know who Nick Clark is, you will after this. That guy is awesome. We're going to be there to support the Niners. We're going to be cheering the Niners. And we will be wearing red on the day, Nadji. I'm not discounting anyone coming in different colour Niners no, jerseys. Well, what if it... I want to see if you only have white jerseys. Yeah, if you've only got a white one, but equally, I think we like we did in Leeds, we repped really well. And I think with it being in London, I think that the the organization are wanting to see that continue. So I'm excited. It's going to be a great game as well against the Browns. I'm looking forward to uh, previewing that one next week. So, surprisingly enough, Browns is one team that does have the head head over us. There's a few. Oh. I, think, I think there's about half a dozen, maybe maybe eight teams who who actually have the the, the head to head over us. Browns being one of them. I think I can't remember the stat. I didn't write it down, but I think they've won twelve games to our eight. Um, so there's a little bit preview for next week's. Yeah, it's it's not much. It's not much, but uh, not it does much. it does make you uh, wonder what's going to happen next weekend. We'll beat them easy. <laughs> well, I hope so. Because it'll be the first victory in the UK at the UK yeah, watch party. At the party, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So Oh the PSA. It's a late that's game, right. people. Let's not forget this Sunday night. Um right. so no no blackout and all that kind of stuff, which is good. Uh but yeah, it's a late one. So strap up and take take Monday off if you can. <laughs> I did. I'm actually I'm for a long time. It's not happened in a long time, but I might actually stay up, see if I can. Oh, so, so, so when you say late there. game, yeah, so when you say late game, because I haven't actually checked to see what time the kickoff is, are you talking about a red eye game? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's one. one are we in prime time, are we? Yeah, prime yes, we're on Sunday yeah. night. Oh. So it's a Sunday night game on, on NBC. Right, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's happening. Um, but yeah, I'm, right. I might be around. If not, Kev will take care of you in the Discord, as per usual. Thank you, Kev. Sorting that out. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good game. Hopefully. Hopefully. And with that said, thank you very much for joining me tonight, guys. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that listens. Please remember to uh, subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Also, give us a follow on YouTube by following for 49 and Faithful UK. Until the next episode. Go Niners. Go Niners. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with Rob Tom. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side.